0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Jerry, I know you're a superstitious guy. Uh, I was at the DeMarcus Ware one with uh, the great Bennett Glazer. I'll be there at the Jimmy one for the induction of the Ring of Honor. Do you believe in curses, though? Do you believe you have lifted the Jimmy curse with this? (laughs) Well, I will believe in anything that helps if you saw all the combinations of good luck ways that I've carried with me over the years and different things I've done uh, to, uh, I'm, I'm a superstitious guy.
0: Oh, I can only imagine some of the things Jerry Jones has done to try to finagle luck in his favor. And as it relates to his business interests, it has worked. As it relates to his football team, we are in an extended drought as it relates to appearances in the conference championship game. It goes all the way back to 1995. Hadn't thought of this idea that putting Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor would somehow create good luck, good karma For Jerry Jones, who has been ridiculously stubborn, you know, as the moment lingered on Sunday in the Fox pregame show between Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson, who inexplicably was in Charlotte instead of in L.A. in the Fox studio, like it immediately became odd and strange that these two friends turned foes were now standing there with Fox stick mics talking directly to each other and ignoring the fact that a camera was in the room and it just went on and on and on until we learned that jimmy johnson will indeed be put into the ring of honor on december 30 1923 as jerry jones said before jimmy johnson corrected him but Shereen, i look i i just am shocked at this sudden turn because it was just late july where jerry was making this clumsy case for continuing to wait i'd love to know what caused him between late july and and mid-November to change his mind.
1: Well, he says that it goes back to backlash from DeMarcus Ware going in, that it wasn't fair to DeMarcus Ware because people were talking about Jimmy Johnson should be in. But I think it was, and I know they talked to him, Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin, and perhaps there were other former players too, about Jimmy needing to go in the ring of honor. This is something that needed to happen. Look, I presented Jimmy Johnson for for the Hall of Fame when he was in the class of 2020. And, you know, I've had many conversations with him, and I know how much this meant to him. Of course, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is bigger, but the fact that he wasn't in the Cowboys Ring of Honor was a really big deal to him. And he wanted to go in, and he should have been in, and he should have gone in a long time ago. So I haven't talked to him since Jerry made the announcement, but I know he's really, really happy uh, to be going in, and I know he feels like that it's overdue that he ha- goes into the Ring of Honor, but this is something that happened pretty quickly, Mike, because Jerry likes to use the word impromptu, too, meaning imprompt. This was impromptu almost, and the Ring of Honor is not something in the past that he's done impromptu. Like, it's always been well thought out before the season. Hey, on this date, we're going to put this player in. So I do think it was something more recent than DeMarcus Ware's going into the Ring of Honor. And I do think it was Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin, and again, perhaps some other former players who convinced Jerry that this needed to happen. And it needed to happen now with Jimmy, 80 years old, and Jerry, 81 years old. And the interesting thing to me Mike is now there's only one Cowboys Hall of Famer who's not in the ring of honor and that's Jerry Jones.
0: Well, and yeah, he'll put himself in whenever he sees fit <laughs> or or that'll be the first act when, you know, Jerry Jones is no lang- longer able to put himself in when when you know, it's going to come from all, for all of us at some point. And it it is amazing to me. And maybe I'm just not as competitive as they are, it's amazing to me that they care so much about things like that, that ultimately change your life in not a single way. It doesn't change what you accomplished. It's just some external exclamation point on your accomplishments, where if you know what you've done, if you know how you've lived, how you've worked, how you've succeeded, do you need someone else to put the punctuation on it? Or do, do you just take solace in knowing what you've done? Do you need someone else to show you what you've done and and kiss your ass for what you've done? Or do you just say, I know what I've done? I'm surprised Jimmy Johnson wanted it that badly. He seems like the type who would say, I don't care. I know what I did. I got my rings. I know who built that team that won Super Bowl 30.'" I don't need Jerry Jones to to buy, you know, uh, letters that spell out my name and put them along the the edge of the stadium. I don't need that to have validation. I have my own validation.
1: I think most of us like that validation, Mike. And I think he really wanted it from Jerry. I want I think he wanted Jerry to recognize him for what he did for those teams in the 1990s. And look, I've seen the contract. I know what was written in Jimmy's contract. He had all the personnel decisions. He was in charge of personnel. He had final say in personnel. So as much as Jerry wants to say that he helped build those teams, that was Jimmy's team. And you're right, the 1995 team – was a team that Jimmy built as the GM of the Cowboys. So I think he wanted Jerry to recognize what he did in building those three teams. And the fact that they haven't been back since 1995 makes it even bigger. So he's gotten that now. I hope this helps the relationship thaw, despite what they said in that togetherness in Carolina, there was a chill in their relationship. They didn't like each other for a really long time, and I hope they get back to being friends because their relationship goes well beyond the Cowboys back when they played together at Arkansas. So I hope they're friends again, and I hope this can, can really thaw out that chill that was between them for a really long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the basic resentment from Jones toward Johnson is, I think Jones believed Johnson didn't properly respect Jones' role in helping build that team that Johnson wanted all the credit that Jerry did some of the work too. that. He's just not riding sidecar to Jimmy Johnson and that, you know, you got a bunch of prideful ego driven guys that, that they, they, you know, everybody wants to be the ultimate alpha in the room. And between the two of them, it was a, a, it was an ego arm wrestling match. And ultimately Jerry wins it because he's the one who decides who gets in the ring of honor and who doesn't. So he has a moment where he for whatever reason decides to be magnanimous and let Jimmy Johnson in. And maybe he just realized how ridiculous it looked. And that stupid argument he made back in July. Well, I've got other coaches that you go into. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really who? Who? Barry Switzer? You know, and, and and think about it. Jimmy Johnson built a team that was so good it could win a Super Bowl despite Barry Switzer being the head coach. That is impressive. That is special. That's more impressive than Jimmy Johnson coaching the team to a Super Bowl when he built a team that was Barry Switzer-proof and won a Super Bowl with him as a head coach. All due respect to Barry Switzer. So Jerry wants to build a Super Bowl champion of his own. He wants to be able to say, I did that. And along the way, fortunately for him, who's the quarterback? Why am I not thinking of him? I've wiped his name out of my mind, the guy they wanted to trade up and draft. Uh, Paxton Lynch. Fortunately, they weren't able to get Paxton Lynch in 2016. (laughs) They had to settle for Dak Prescott in round four, the best settling that they've ever had to do. So now Dak is is working his way deeper into his career. He was asked uh, whether he's playing one of the best stretches in all of football right now, given the way he's been performing. Have a listen to Dak Prescott from yesterday.
2: Honestly, I'd have to go back, have to look at certain stretches of, you know what I mean, of, of being on rolls, but I can tell you the the way that I feel, um, the confidence that I have in this group myself, um, zone, I guess you can call it, whatever it is, uh, talked about it over and over, the coaches, um, just the chemistry of this team, yeah, by far the best I've, I've ever felt, and it's not just me, it's, it's it's a lot of the things around me that ultimately, uh, being a leader, a lot of times you're trying to control those things, you're trying to make sure things around you are uh, are good, taking up in, in places this isn't that and that that's the the minimal of my job right now is handling things outside of my job which obviously makes it easier for me
0: he is quietly having a great year he'd been the subject yeah. of a lot of criticism a lot of skepticism there was talk about whether or not he was going to sign an extended contract he really has the cowboys over a barrel and i think some people were like well He hasn't played well enough to have anyone over a barrel right now. He needs to get back to being the guy that he was several years ago before you you think of him getting another top-of-the-market contract from the Cowboys, although he's in a position to leverage his cap number next year into another top-of-the-market contract. And he's playing well enough this year to justify it. 70.1 completion percentage, 260 passing yards per game, 19 touchdown passes, 6 interceptions, and the past few weeks he has been phenomenal and look this is all pointing toward the rematch with the Eagles can the Eagles lose enough games so that the Cowboys can catch them in the standings with a win and then how does it play out down the stretch the Cowboys are still alive to win that division it's going to take some faltering by the Eagles they had their chance at Philly a few weeks ago but you know, that offense has gotten better. The defense is good. They're so great at home. This could be ugly on Thursday against the Commanders because we've seen it get ugly so many times when they play teams at AT&T Stadium, Shereen.
1: Yeah, you know, they want Dak in the MVP conversation, and, and his, his stats are great, but you keep looking at, all right, who have they beaten? They have not beaten a team with the winning record yet. The two teams they played who've had winning records, who they're going to contend with for the NFC title, the 49ers blew them out by 32 points, and the Eagles beat them, game that arguably the Cowboys should have won, and they didn't win. Um, so, you know, it, it, for him to be truly in the MVP conversation – they are going to have to win the division. I mean, you're not going to pick Dak Prescott at the top of your ballot over Jalen Hurts. It's just not going to happen if the Eagles end up winning the division. So they are going to have to win the division to get him in that conversation. So they're playing another team now that has a losing record. But this, this stretch of games after this commander's game is difficult. They play teams with winning records. They got the Seahawks. They got the Bills. They have the Lions. We're going to find out a lot about them when they play the Lions at home. Um, So they've got some teams coming up, Mike, that if he can do that and win out and and win the division, then I think he is in the MVP conversation. So we're going to find out a lot going forward. It's not going to be tomorrow. We're not going to find out a whole lot about them. I think at home, the Cowboys, 11-point favorites, I'd pick them to cover again. I think they will cover again against the commanders. I don't think, even though Sam Howell won his first start last year against them, I don't think he's going to beat them this year.
0: This is another one of those weeks where I look at it and I say, why is it only 11? Like when the Cowboys hosted the Giants a couple of Sundays ago. Why is it only 16 and a half? You should add 10 points to that. You should add 10 points to this. The commanders are currently swirling the drain. And as Chris Sims said yesterday, Ron Rivera quite possibly would have been fired on Monday if they didn't play a game on Thursday and I think on Friday Rivera could be out and uh, after that that deflating loss at home the no showers experience after the game I I find it difficult to think the commanders are going to go there now look I know there's a certain allure to going to AT&T Stadium playing in Dallas playing on Thanksgiving maybe some of those guys step it up but even then the cowboys are just better and the cowboys are excited about playing on thanksgiving they bring out the big salvation army kettle everything changes Dolly you know Parton. we're hitting the home stretch of the season i mean it it ends, it's just got a, it's got a special vibe for the cowboys and you know it's funny there were a few years there where they would give us a great game in that spot for a captive audience i think they've realized they don't need to give us a great yep. game in that spot we're still going to watch in the tens of millions because what else are we going to do between the hours of 4 o'clock and 7.30 Eastern on Thanksgiving Day?
1: Yeah, that's been it, Mike. That's exactly right, that they don't have to put a good game in this slot. So the bigger game has become the Thursday after Thanksgiving for the Cowboys. They've done this for a number of years. They, they missed one year last year, a year before they didn't play back to back Thursdays, but they're back to the back to back Thursdays and have Seattle next Thursday. So that's the bigger game of the two Thursday games, but the commanders Cowboys game is going to draw the bigger audience because like you said, what else are you going to do on Thanksgiving day? You're going to sit in front of your TV. It's a bad game. You're going to take a nap. But the game's still going to be on right in front of you. So this is going to draw a lot of eyes, and they're going to get to see, people are going to get to see Dak Prescott yet again play, and I think he's going to play really well.
0: If the Commanders lose, what is the percentage chance in your mind that Ron Rivera on Black Friday gets the Black Friday treatment in a bad way?
1: I'm going to say 50-50. They have a weird schedule. Like, they play Miami on December 3rd, and then they have their bye week. So, do you do it then? Do you give them the Miami game and then firing them before the bye? I don't know how that works because they're going to lose these next two games, you would think. And the Miami game, frankly, might be worse than the Cowboys game. So... I think they probably do it at some point, whether it's on Friday or whether it's the week uh, or the day after the Dolphins game, might. But I think it happens over the next two weeks.
0: I, I think it's a great opportunity for Eric Biani to audition for the permanent job by coaching the team. Let's let's yeah. let's go. Let's let's have Eric Biani in charge of the team and see what he can do. And that gives more data for Josh Harris and Magic Johnson and the rest of the ownership group to decide on their next head coach. And, and I, look, I, I'm a firm believer once you know you're making the decision, the longer you wait, the more pointless it is. Implement it. Commence your process of finding your next coach. Start your search now. Everyone knows you'll be searching. And I think Ron Rivera understands it. He's lived through this before with David Tepper in Carolina. When a new owner buys a team, you're on borrowed time unless you win. And they had their chance on Sunday. If they had beaten the Giants with the Seahawks and Vikings losing, they would have been dangerously close to the fringes of the playoff conversation. They'd have been right there. And now they're not. And uh, I, I think that – and it depends on how they lose, too. If they get blown out, yeah. it's far more likely. If it's close, then maybe they do kick the can another week or two. But at some point, I think it makes sense to let Eric B enemy. show what he can do as a head coach, and if not for – consideration to become the commander's head coach to give him an opportunity to maybe get a head coaching job with another team something that seems to be long overdue for him personally let's go ahead and take a break when we return it's time to look at the week 12 power rankings the eagles were already on top i got a feeling they did enough on monday night to hold their spot we'll unveil the rest of them when we come back right after this
2: Offset eyes. CJ drops back in the pocket. Looking. Flushed out to the right. CJ guns it long downfield. And. Caught oh, touchdown. Wow. An amazing catch. Thank Dell. What a throw by Stroud. And Dell with the reception. Jumps into the stands. Goku's. That's my guy. Herbert in the shotgun. Fourth and one for the Chargers. 23 seconds ago. Snap to Herbert. Looks. Waits for. Fires it. Badass it knocked Down and complete. Kenny it Clark. Down. Kenny Clark. The biggest play of the game. Here we go. Steps it back. Ball down. Hopkins into it. Flag down. Kick is up. And the kick is good. With two seconds left. What a moment. Welcome back, Jim Donovan. <laughs> Back, Lions rush four. Field flip getting it hit. go down to hit. balls loose. It's not the five. It's kicked out of the end zone. That's a safety. That's a safety. The Lions are gonna win this game. It went out of the back of the end zone. And the Lions are gonna lock this one down. What a game! What a game.
0: Some of the radio calls from the Sunday that was Shireen, and it's like I wish we had time to react to every single one of them because you see one, it's like, oh, that's great. I want to say something about that. <laughs> then you see the next one, like, oh, that's great. I want to say something about that. And then, and then by the time it's over, you just accept the fact that, oh, well, it's over and it's done. But it's great to hear the excitement. That's what we expect. That's how it works. They're all employees of the teams, of the games they call. And it's, there, there's you know if you can't watch a game, it really is great to listen to it on the radio with so many great announcers out there who know how to make it come to life when you can't actually see what's happening.
1: I love listening on Sirius. Like, when I'm rolling, like, I'll do it this week. Tomorrow, as I'm rolling to the Cowboys game, I'll be listening to the, the Lions broadcast uh, to to hear that. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun to hear the the broadcasters and, and the different ways they broadcast, too. You know, I think you have your favorites when you listen to all these guys Uh, broadcast, but most of them, Mike, are pretty darn good at what they do.
0: Now that I'm in this business, I'm never driving anywhere during a game. But I remember the days before I was in the business, I used to love, you know, it would make a road trip go so much faster. When, when, you know, when I was living in Pittsburgh and and my family was in Columbus, it was a three-hour drive. Like, if I timed it out just perfectly coming home from a weekend visit on a Sunday, I could listen to a whole game the, the entire drive back to Pittsburgh. I mean, I I used to love doing that. It would, it's just, it just, you get engrossed in it. You can kind of picture it in your mind and, uh, and, 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 and it's all you had then it was your only access to it. If you can't watch it, you better listen to it because you're not going to see it again. You can't go home and watch the highlights on YouTube in 1992. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, anyway, uh, one thing that, Uh, we didn't have back in the 90s also was power rankings they've only been around really the past 20 years we do them every week during the season and here they are this week presented by our friends at Toyota a little surprise the Eagles at number one and the 49ers at number two what I did with the Chiefs after they lost I dropped them from three to five and I did rectify a prior error and yes I can admit when I make mistakes I should have had the Ravens ahead of the Lions all along with the Lions not looking great against the Bears and the Ravens looking good enough on Thursday night against the Bengals. I left the Lions at four and I jumped them with the Ravens. When you look at the top eight, Shereen, and really if we extend it to the top 10, I think that is a fair and accurate depiction of where the teams at the top of the league currently are. If you disagree, feel free to do so.
1: No, I, I think it's pretty accurate, Mike. I, you know, I look at that, and I don't know that I would change very much with what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, what we saw this last Sunday with, obviously, the Chiefs losing. And I think they're about where they should be right now when you've gone three consecutive games and can't score in the second half. I think five is about right for for the Chiefs so yeah when I look at that I don't see anything I would I would probably change out of that Texas Jaguars is going to be an interesting game this week maybe the best game this week
0: I struggled in two spots I considered and I didn't consider it for very long but I at least considered the possibility of just making the 49ers the number one team because I think they are the best team in football right now But what makes them great is what jeopardizes them and what has caused them to lose three games. They have a bunch of hard-nosed, roll-out-of-bed, run-through-the-wall players who are eventually going to get injured because of the way they play. What makes them great, the way they play, is the thing that jeopardizes their greatness because guys get injured. And they would be number one right now if they hadn't hit that stretch where they didn't have Trent Williams, didn't have Debo Samuel, it affected Brock Purdy. And you, get, you have to have that core healthy for the 49ers to be firing on all cylinders. Whereas other teams, because they don't rely on that same all out, go nuts, overpower the other team with a degree of physicality they can't match, other teams can overcome injuries better than the 49ers. The 49ers have a hard time overcoming the injuries to their core players. And that's what keeps them just out of number one. But if they keep those core players healthy, I think they're the team that is most likely to win the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, and we're going to see that matchup here in a couple weeks to see how the Eagles match up. The Eagles have done what they've needed to do, all except one game, the Jets, mysteriously, that was their loss. But... You know, they're not doing it in in dramatic fashion, you know, just killing people that you think they should kill. And they've played a lot of close games that you think probably shouldn't have been as close as they were. But they've gotten it done. To their credit, they've gotten it done and done what they needed to do. But I think that Eagles 49ers game is probably going to be pretty telling um, about what's going to happen in the NFC. But the issue thing right now, Mike, is is they would be the one and three seeds, so they wouldn't even meet in the championship game if things worked out the way you think they're probably going to work out. Um, they would have to meet in the divisional round, which that looks like a championship game matchup as it stands right now. So they need the 49ers need to jump the Lions uh, and get that two spot so that can be your NFC championship game matchup possibly.
0: Well, and the other side of it too, you know, one of these teams that is thinking about where that showdown is lurking may lose just enough focus. That they get upset in the wild card round and we never see those great games in the postseason that may be coming in both conferences. I also struggled Shereen with where to put the Steelers. Yeah, because I finalized this after Matt Canada was fired. I didn't change their spot. I don't know whether firing Matt Canada is good or bad for the Steelers. I tweeted yesterday, congratulations, Browns, you broke the Steelers. But plenty of Steelers fans were like, no, they didn't. They fixed fixed us. This is what we've been waiting for. I don't think it's going to change things much. And the Steelers are where they are based upon their record, based upon their defense, and – I don't know, maybe maybe they should have been dropped farther without making a coordinator change. Maybe the coordinator change is a positive because it washes out some of that acrimony that seemed to have been making its way into the locker room.
1: Was that the hardest team to place, Mike? Because when you start looking at the playoff teams, I mean, there's 14 playoff teams. Is Was that the hardest one, is that 14th spot with the Steelers and who to put there? Well, yes and no.
0: You know, the Broncos, I... I the Broncos just beat the Vikings, and it's weird to see the Broncos lower than the Vikings. But the Vikings do have a better record. I didn't drop the Vikings at all, and yeah. the Seahawks only fell one spot for losing to the Rams, because who are you going to jump them with? That's right. the problem. Right. When you start to get a little separation, a loss by a team that you know is is broken away from others in the pack, how does that cause them to fall behind the bill like the Bills? The Bills got. Three spots, and maybe they shouldn't have gotten that many for beating the woeful Jets. But that's where it gets a little trickier is that middle of the pack. When you reshuffle teams based upon the outcome of one week, how far do you go? How far does one team go up? How far does one team go down? Let's take a look at the second page and see where the, the worst of the teams currently rank. And whether there's a team, here's my question for you, Shereen. Is there a team lurking on the back half as we get to Thanksgiving? You know, there's always a team that's around 500 that finds the gas pedal and off it goes down the stretch. Is there one team you look at in these back 16 that you say they could Mm. get hot down the stretch and maybe get to the playoffs and maybe do some damage if they get there?
1: Oh boy, there's probably three I would consider, but I don't know how great their chances are. That would be the Bengals, but now they don't have Joe Burrow. The Saints are probably going to win the division, I would think, maybe, possibly, but I don't know. They're sitting five and five, and then I look at the Raiders, and I think with what Antonio Pierce has done with them and how they played against the Dolphins, two wins and they lose the the Dolphins in in a close game, perhaps they can get hot and... And make the postseason as a wild card team. I I guess I would go with the Saints simply because I think they have a chance to win that division, but I'm I'm not real convinced, Mike, on any of these teams.
0: I look at the Rams four and six with a sweep of the Seahawks. What kind of a kick yeah. in the pants does that give them down the stretch? And they've got players who have been there and done that. Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford. You keep those guys healthy. Cooper Cup's currently dealing with a low ankle sprain, but Puka Nakua's been great. Maybe they can build some momentum, swipe a couple more wins, and, and just keep going, keep going, keep going. And if you have you know, teams like the Vikings fall off, maybe that seventh spot at the Seahawks. Seahawks have this stretch coming up of 49ers-Cowboys, 49ers-Eagles. The Rams could overtake them and then think about overtaking the sixth seed or the seventh seed. I, the Rams are the team that I think... Could, could make it interesting as we get into late November and into uh, December. One other team, too, that Aaron Rodgers would say we should watch is the Jets. He was making the case yesterday to Pack McAfee because the Packers were 4-6 and six in 2016 and ended up in the playoffs. The Jets were 4-6 and six in 2009 and ended up in the playoffs. He still believes the Jets can turn it around long enough for him to be able to come back. I don't. I don't think no. changing to Tim Boyle is going to make a damn bit of difference. And they're going to be 4-7, and seven, maybe 4-8, and 4-9. and nine. I mean, we're getting closer and closer to the point where this pie-in-the-sky idea of Rodgers playing again this year is going to become irrelevant.
1: That's how huge this game is for them Friday, Mike. I, I mean, I think it's a must-win if they want Aaron Rodgers to come back to have any reason to come back. I think they have to upset the Dolphins. I don't see that happening. I think the Dolphins blow them out, but... If they want a chance for Rodgers to come back, that's what has to happen on Friday. They have to win that game.
0: All right, let's take a break. When we return, we're going to preview the Thanksgiving Day games with some prop bets. We'll do that next here on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live.
1: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life did you if you could would you when we come through it's true magic because we came to play bring the magic at walt disney world resort
2: reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese. you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features: the owner's manual for important operating instructions. As you said, you live up to your expectations. Yeah, yeah my expectations are out of the darn Park. You got to understand, man. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. What's the What's those little four heads that's in California? What do they call those? The people faces in, in gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. I set up there. Is it where? I thought it was in LA all this time. Wow, my geography! That's the Hollywood thing. That's what I thought. I'm sorry. Thank you for educating me. Jesus, off the Dakota.
0: What's the four heads in California? Deion Sanders. <laughs> Did not know. 50 plus years of living. He's almost my age. He's almost our age, I should say, Shereen. And didn't know, didn't know where Mount Rushmore is. Oh, well. It's in South Dakota. And we were talking during the break. I'd love to know the whole story behind how they decided to chisel a monument to four presidents into a giant rock in South Dakota. Who had the idea? How did they come up with the money? How did they decide who the chiselers were going to be I, there's just so much about it. there has to be a book out there on how they ultimately made mount rushmore in south dakota not california oh well uh something for me to to search for later today for now it's time to look at the thanksgiving props courtesy of DraftKings. kings we'll start with the early game the five and six packers taking on the eight and two lions Jared Goff, who had three interceptions last week and almost had a fourth that would have been a pick six. Jalen Johnson had it in his hands. 252.5 passing yards is the over-under. Goff had 236 against the Bears. He's averaging 274.3 per game. Is he over or under against the Packers?
1: You know what the interesting thing is, Mike? Last year we were talking about how good Jared Goff was at home and how much worse he was on the road. Well, this year at home, he has six, six of ten games this season or over 252, but surprisingly only two of those are home games, and part of that is because they run the ball so well at home. Packers are seventh against the pass, 28th against the run defensively. I think he goes under in this because I think they run the ball really well.
0: And I agree with you. you. Know, I talked to David Montgomery after the game on Sunday and, and asked him about this sharing of the workload with him and Jameer Gibbs. I said, are you happy with the division? He said, I'm happy that we're winning, which implied a little something to me. But they almost have identical touches, identical production the past couple of weeks. Gibbs is on the field a little bit more than Montgomery. But when you've got those two guys, and I think what you want to do now, now and the win helps rebuild Jared Goff's confidence, but... I don't think you want to have him flinging it all over the place. You don't want him to have another two or three interception game on Thanksgiving. You want to kind of build it back a little slowly because you don't want him to all of a sudden become a guy that is throwing multiple interceptions a game. Lean on Montgomery and Gibbs and get through this this short week. Get your mini bye and move forward with more games that they should win. Really, all the way until... Dallas week 17, the night that Jimmy Johnson will be added to the Ring of Honor at AT&T Stadium. They have games they should win. They'll be favored in those games and they've got the one seed potentially in their grasp. What's the better bet? We just showed the graphic of Montgomery and Gibbs. Montgomery over 66 and a half yards or Gibbs over 46 and a half yards. Last week Montgomery had 76 and Gibbs had 36.
1: I actually like both of those, Mike. I guess I would go with David Montgomery, but he's got eighty. He's averaging eighty four at home, and Gibbs is averaging seventy one point three at home. I like both of those guys to go over, but I have to pick one. I'm going to pick Montgomery.
0: See, I'll go Gibbs just because it's a lower number. It's easier to hit. I think they'll both have decent performance, solid performance as they continue this sharing, and and it 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 works because when one guy gets injured, the other guy just takes over. It reminds me back in the Old days of Mike Allstott and Warwick done. That was really the first time we yeah. saw. And they were as WB40. different as they could be in style. But they would both play equally, relatively speaking. And then if one got banged up, the other one would take over. And it would just go back and forth. And I think that's what's going to happen. We saw Gibbs have some great performances. One, Montgomery was hurt. If either of them gets hurt again, the other one steps up. But if both are healthy, the Lions are going to be tough to beat. Commanders at the Cowboys, we talked earlier about the likelihood of a blowout and the possibility of Ron Rivera being fired. Dak Prescott's over under in passing yards for that game is 296.5. Are you over or are you under? Oh, passing and rushing. Thank you, Courtney. Total yards, passing and rushing.
1: Three of the last four games, he's passed for over 300 yards. He's averaging 306 yards in home games. I think he goes over, and I think he goes over easily, Mike, unless the Cowboys are blowing out the Commanders and they sit him down for Cooper Rush in the fourth quarter.
0: This feels like a hello world, I'm still here type of a game for Dak Prescott. It does. And it's an opportunity to flex his muscles a little bit. Not that they're hidden from national TV, but this is the game. That will be viewed probably more than any other game all season long, even though it does feature the commanders, a huge captive audience. And Dax got the opportunity to remind everyone that he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, especially in a year where so many are injured and so many are just kind of not the guys that we thought they were. All right. The night game on NBC 49ers at the Seahawks. San Francisco 7-3, and three, Seattle 6-4. and four. Questions about Geno Smith's injury status. Will he play? Won't he play? Let's focus on Christian McCaffrey. 49ers running back over under of 113.5 rushing and receiving. Which are you taking?
1: I'm going to go over. He's averaged 90 rushing yards and 28 uh, receiving yards in road games this season. And I know they're brand- using Brandon Ayuk a lot more than they were. Have been, but Seattle is 21st against the pass. I think he might have more receiving yards than rushing yards, but I think total yards, I think he goes over 113.5.
0: Yeah, I do too. Look, this is a chance for them to basically put the dagger in the Seahawks. They'll face them again. But, you know, there's only one game separating these two teams because of that three-game losing streak the 49ers had. I think they're the superior team, and McCaffrey will love that opportunity on Thanksgiving night to show what he can do. Same game, better bet. Brandon Ayuk of the 49ers over 63.5 receiving yards, or DK Metcalf over 58.5. Ayuk has 92.3 receiving yards per game this year, and Metcalf only has 71.8.
1: I'm going to go with Ayuk in that one.
0: I agree with you just because we don't know, number one, is Geno Smith going to play? And number two, if he does, how effective will he really be just four days after that triceps injury behind the elbow that knocked him out of the game? He was able to come back and throw late, but but we don't know. And it seems like they still don't know who it's going to be. And if Drew Locke plays, it's an opportunity for him to maybe, you know, carry – the team a little bit better if he can avoid the turnovers that were plaguing Geno Smith earlier this year. All right, don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet five dollars and pocket one hundred fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every day. Download the app, use the promo code PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. When we return, some comments from Aaron Rodgers from the Pat McAfee show regarding officiating. More PFT Live right after this. There are many things that Aaron Rodgers says that folks like me will disagree with. There are many things he says that I will wholeheartedly agree with. He said something yesterday about officiating that underscores my belief that at the core, we have a lot more in common than we don't. Here's Aaron Rodgers with his views on whether or not the best NFL officials end up leaving the sport to talk about it instead on TV. You
2: know, there's... A lot of great referees in the NFL. There's a lot of great ones who've retired over the last, you know, a good bit. And the majority of those great ones who retired are on TV now because the money is high and they can do great. And we've talked about this many, many times. Gene Steratore is phenomenal, right? But if they could give Gene or Dean or Mike Pereira or Terry McCauley, these guys who were fantastic NFL refs, the opportunity to kind of take that over with the right type of pay, and then they were willing to do it. I think you could see some interesting ability to make these a little bit more interpretable, a little bit, uh, you know, uh, um, more in the nature of the rule, and uh, you know, maybe change some of these bad habits that I think have been created. You need to get one of those guys, in my opinion, to get Gene, because he's the best. Get him in a position where you pay him enough money, whatever the hell he wants. Just so it's, you can interpret the rules, I think, in the true nature of, of how it needs to be interpreted. And honestly, the refs would be great with that, I think. I think the refs would, would love that.
0: I agree with him that there needs to be one of the former members of the officiating structure who is the one that is the face, the name, the voice in, not just during the games, on making the final decisions on replay review and just kind of guiding the whole process, but also the one who talks to us and explains things to us in a very transparent, and believable way. I'll disagree with him, though, Shereen, on Steratore. I think it should be Dean Blandino. Number one, I think Blandino's yep. better. And number, and no, no offense to Steratore, he's good too. But I'll, I'll take Blandino for my money. I'll take Blandino. But I also believe that Blandino is removed from this very clickish, petty, juvenile. And and you see it bubble up from time to time, these these adversarial relationships that exist among the various officials. There are rivalries. They're all competing with each other for assignments. They they don't like each other. You know, they they're all in the same boat, but some of them just don't like each other. They hold grudges, they act out on old vendettas. I don't want Sterator being the one in charge because he comes from that world. Blandino was never in that world. That's what separates him from me.
1: Yeah, I, you know, and another thing, Mike, I think this does need to be a PR position. It does need to be somebody who's good with the media, who knows how to explain things. And I, I think the vast majority of football fans love Dan, Dean Blandino. We we see him in what is the XFL that he did or whatever he did. Um, they're explaining decisions as he's making them in real time. We see him doing uh, interviews and everything else that he does every week. And he's just really good and explaining the rules and why they happened. And, and if they're wrong, he's upfront and forthright about that. And I think that's something that the NFL needs. I think for too long, they tried to bury – some of these decisions that weren't the right decisions on the field, and instead they should come out and say, hey, we messed up. This was human error. We got this one wrong. We'll try to get it right the next time. And I think Dean Blandino would do that and explain why it was wrong, why the official got it wrong, and what they're going to do to correct it the next time. So I'm with you. I just think Dean Blandino would be fantastic in that position, and I think he would – He would really give credibility to the officials and to the NFL's officiating office, something it does not have right now.
0: He's the guy they created that position for. They centralized the power at 345 Park Avenue to decide all replay reviews there for him. And once it was finally done, he left and it fell to Al Riveron who was not suited for the job. All due respect, nice person, nice person was not suited for that job. The job was set up for Blandino and Blandino told me on the record on PFTPM five, six years ago, the NFL does not value that position properly, which is a tactful way of saying, drum roll, please. The NFL is cheap. And when it comes to what is such a critical function in season, the most important job in the entire NFL During the season, sorry, Commissioner, it's more important than your job. It is the person who is making these decisions in real time on replay and communicating them to the world, doing these interviews, appearing on TV shows, helping us have faith in the integrity of the officiating function. You know one of the reasons why the officiating is just perceived to be a mess right now? There's no one there to hold it all together and make us believe that it's not as bad as we think it is. They have no one selling us on the idea that everything is fine. That's part of the problem. And the other side of it too, Shereen, and you know, Blandino is just one of the various names that have popped up over the past 10 years. People at the NFL who could be future commissioners. And once they get that reputation, for whatever reason, they don't last long i think the guy on the throne is maybe a little sensitive about protecting the throne and that may be one of the reasons why blandino is not there too one of the reasons they won't talk about
1: well they need to go get him and give him as much money as it will take to get him to clean up the problems that they have in officiating right now mike and you you've been a big proponent of the Sky Judge. And I think they should have a sky judge. And I think Dean Blendino would be a big proponent of the sky judge. And I think that would clean up a lot of their problems that they have uh, if they would get a sky judge at each game. So, you know, they do need to make some changes, whatever those changes are. But to me, he would be the best possible change they could make. And I think the media would applaud that and the fans would applaud that.
0: I can see it now, Shireen. Coming up soon. On a Sunday, during the Fox pregame show, they'll cut to an interview of Roger Goodell. He'll be standing there with a Fox stick mic. He'll turn, and there's Dean Blandino of Fox. And they'll have a conversation directly to each other, ignoring the fact the camera is there. And it will go on for 15 minutes. And at the end of the day they'll decide that Blandino, just like Jimmy Johnson getting in the ring of honor, uh, Blandino is coming back to sure. the NFL and taking over the officiating function. Sure, hey, a, 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 kid can, a, kid can, a kid can dream. i us <laughs> take a break. All right. Uh, show me something. Since we won't have a show on Thursday or on Friday for the Show Me Something draft, we're going to do it next here on PFT Live. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, which means it's time for the National Dog Show presented by Purina, airing on NBC at 12 o'clock Eastern across, all, or no, 12 o'clock across all time zones. I I apologize for my mistake. Here's no mistake. Coverage begins after the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I, I still, speaking of Macy, my dog Macy, would not qualify for the dog show because she's a mutt. She's a Bernie Doodle. You'd have to be a purebred <laughs> Bernese Mountain Dog or a purebred Poodle, but there she is. You know That's she awesome. she does not hey, like Racy. she does not like to go out in the rain. So when it's time to go, we have a raincoat for her. She will not go. She will hold it when it's raining. So we need to put a raincoat on her so she'll go out and do her business in the rain.
1: That's hilarious. She should be in the yep. show. I don't. She, I don't care that she's a mutt.
0: Yep. Yep, we, we we need to have a we need to have a second dog show of uh, of mutts, yeah. not the purebred pristine dogs. But dog shows great. Twelve o'clock across all time zones. I don't know how we're pulling that off. I'll take their word for it. All right, take our word for it. It's week twelve. Show me something. Time, Shireen, you're up.
1: Well, I'm going to pick Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach who serves as the defensive play caller, has talked the talk this week, so I want to see him walk the walk. I mean, he was defiant, Mike, that he's not giving up the play calling duties and that he has full confidence in himself. I'm glad somebody does because I certainly don't. <laughs> defense ranked 31st in yards, 32nd in passing, tied for 23rd in points. Uh, And if he was just the defensive coordinator, Mike, he'd probably already be fired, but he's the head coach, so he still has a job at this point, but maybe not for very much longer if the defense continues to play like it's playing.
0: One of the things that helps him and also hurts him, there really isn't anyone on the staff that stands out as an interim coach candidate, which protects him, but also it would be nice to have some – you know, assistants around who have maybe some head coaching experience who could help guide you through these challenges. So it feels like it's coming to an end for Brandon Staley, whether it's during the season or after it. Show me something, Josh Allen. Look, it's one thing to beat the Jets at a time when it feels like the Jets are crumbling. I know they have a great defense, but you had that game at home and you were under a lot of pressure and that was great. It worked. Now you're going to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. You want to reestablish yourself and your team as among the best in the AFC a true contender, this is your opportunity. Go to Philadelphia and hand the Eagles their second loss of the season. They're on a short week, coming off of a tough win over the Chiefs. Maybe there's a game here for the Bills to steal if Josh Allen is vintage Josh Allen, playing with fun, playing with confidence, running and throwing, and maybe beating the Philadelphia Eagles, Shireen.
1: Josh Allen and the Bills have a huge game this week. So did Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, Mike. The Texans have really been Trevor Lawrence's kryptonite. He's one in four in his career against the Texans, 251 passing yards per game in those five games, four touchdowns, seven interceptions, five sacks. A 71 passer rating. C.J. Stroud has already done more in his rookie year than Trevor Lawrence did in his rookie year and already looks like a better prospect. So Trevor Lawrence, to me, has a huge game this week to show he can beat the Texans. They can win the division. If they don't, they've lost twice to the Texans, and the Texans are in first place in the division.
0: Show me something, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And I don't say this in a negative way. I want to see... What this kid from UCLA, mid-round pick, can do against a defense that isn't the Pittsburgh Steelers. When we think about what he pulled off on Sunday, that drive when they had to have it in the fourth quarter to position the game-winning field goal, going against the Broncos, who, even though their defense isn't as bad as as the one that gave up 70 points in Week 3 to the Dolphins, still not the steel curtain. This is an opportunity for Dorian Thompson Robinson to put his imprint on this offense to balance out offense and defense. They're embarking on this trip to the West Coast where they're going to stay there the whole week. Miles Garrett told me that on Sunday, and it's an opportunity to bond. It's a great, natural, late regular season chance to spend time together, to deepen the relationships, and to really lock arms and move toward this playoff run where the Browns need to be taken very seriously. If Dorian Thompson-Robinson can lead that offense to the kinds of points that will, and they won't need many with that defense to beat yep. the the Denver Broncos, great opportunity for him. Let's take a break. Round three, show me something draft for week 12 coming up when we conclude this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. All right, there are the picks so far for Week 12. Show me something, PFT Live Draft. Shereen Williams, you are up with the all-important final pick, for you at least. Then comes mine.
1: I'm going to go with Quentin Williams, Mike. Two sacks and ten games. I know sacks don't tell the whole story. Like, you know, Sims likes to talk about the game wrecker in a different form there. And he's faced a lot of double teams, and he's opened things up for Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson, and the coaches have defended him. It's not all about sacks. But look, he wouldn't have earned first team All Pro last season without 12 sacks. He wouldn't have earned that four year, $96 million extension without the 12 sacks last year. The Browns lost their quarterback, and Miles Garrett has been dominant. The Steelers have no quarterback. TJ Watt has been dominant. The Vikings lost their quarterback. And Daniil Hunter has been dominant. The Jets need Quentin Williams to be dominant to have a chance to win a game with Tim Boyle as the quarterback.
0: Great quote from Quentin Williams after the loss to the Bills. They asked him out in the hallway near the locker room, what did the coach say after the game? He said, I don't know. I was in the restroom. So there you go. <laughs> that's 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 Quentin Williams. Um, putting out the fire show me something in the restroom. Show show me something. <laughs> Steelers offense, I'm not going to name names. It's the entire unit. You got what you wanted, Steelers fans. Canada has been sent to Belize. He's gone. He's done. It's over. Let's see what the Steelers offense does. Whether it's Kenny Pickett, Jalen Warren, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, Eddie Faulkner, Mike Sullivan. Let's... Let's see, and hell, I'd say Eddie Faulkner. I'm not even sure that's the name of the guy that's the running back's coach who's the co-offensive coordinator. I think it is. That shows you how, how little we are aware of him as, you know, oh, it is, I am right, accidental scholar like Chris Sims. So the entire offensive unit, show me something in Cincinnati this week. You should be able to beat Jake Browning. You should be able to reestablish yourselves. And this is why you did it. Make it like the Ravens in 2012 when they fired their offensive coordinator and carried it all the way through to the Super Bowl, Shereen.
1: Huge game for this offense and for Kenny Pickett, Mike. No one else to blame now. They need to get it done.
0: All right. uh, We are done. That's it. No show Thursday. No show Friday. But I'm doing a special PFTPM Black Friday, Monday morning, extended edition. Look at all the games from Thursday. Enjoy each and every game. Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Shereen, thank you very much. We'll see everybody real soon.